What is not written is not said. What is not written remains undone. Some things can be risked leaving to memory and others simply must be noted. These are referred to as noteworthy things. When you encounter the noteworthy that is backed by and based on the word of God, you have met the noteworthy. Welcome to the noteworthy with Teddy Podcast, brought to you by Reverend Teddy A. Jones. Get your mind in gear and your willpower engaged. The revolution begins now. Here is today's episode. Greetings, world. Today we are going to be exploring from the 30 Days to Greater Self-Love Masterclass series, the debunking of some of the faulty spiritual theological concepts that people have about God's love, which in turn causes them to build a shaky foundation of determining how much they should love themselves. And then we will also begin to explore the ways in which we actually go about determining self-love and whether those are solid, viable ways of determining our self-love or not as part of the process of debunking the shaky foundations of self-love. So we want to take some time this evening to debunk the wrong criteria. We focus on the authentic, on the real, the original, the real deal. Last evening, uh, this evening, we want to spend some time debunking some of the wrong criteria, looking at and debunking some of the wrong criteria that society and our culture throws up for us and that many persons use, and which leads to the self-limiting beliefs that we want to destroy so that we can be all that we can and should be. Made the point that God's love for us is unchangeable. So let me uh, bring it back to remind us of that verse, because I want to pick up right from there. And so the verse says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, nakedness or danger or sword? And it goes on to say that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So God's love for us is unchanging. It therefore means that contrary to how we tend to think, and this particular aspect of the debunking is more applicable for persons within the church community because there is a a particular theology that teaches to the contrary and addition to that the very way indicated that when our fathers fail to be there in the way that they ought to it gives us a skewed perspective of god One of the things I was mentioned in the video is that very thing, that a father who is consistently judgmental and punitive and consistently shames us, what that communicates to us spiritually is the very same thing about God, that God exists to cast and hold judgment over us and to punish us 
and to make us ashamed. So on the basis of that verse, Romans 8.35, I want to start there. So God to say to us that God does not love me less if I am facing troubles. Remember, we said last evening that God's love is unchangeable. There are many persons who walk around thinking the moment they begin to face troubles, they begin to assume and think that it means this means that God does not love me anymore or that God loves me less somehow. God does not love me less if I am going through hardship. Again, there is that view, there is that faulty teaching and faulty, faulty theology that causes people to think and believe that if they are going through hardship, somehow it means that God does not love them anymore or that God loves them less. God does not love me less if I am being persecuted. We don't have persecution in, in the West in the same way that persons in the Eastern Hemisphere do. Uh, but there are many things that happen to us, uh, a family, a neighbor, a family, a, a, an employer, or some person who, as, as, as we say, tech set you, which may cause a person to feel as if they are being persecuted. And um, well, uh, another expression, expression of lack of self-love is that some persons go on to develop what is called delusions of persecution, where everything in life that happens to them, they think and feel that they are being persecuted. As we indicated last evening, that self lack of self-love can progress to the point where we develop mental disorders, one of which is delusions of persecution. Or the, the person is said to have developed a persecutionary complex. There is a spiritual aspect to it as well, that many persons feel that once some things begin to go wrong and perhaps over a period of time or consistently, they feel that they are being persecuted and it means that God does not love them any less. Is, is it a possibility God is testing me when I am going through hardships? It is absolutely a possibility and it is certainly one of the things that the scriptures teach expressly, that God allows hardships to test us and to build character into us. The epistle of James talks a lot about that. And um, Peter, the, the epistle, epistles of Peter. God does not love me when I am hungry. And we are not here, I'm not here talking about uh, that it is two o'clock and you, your last meal was 8, 8 a.m. It's 2 p.m. and your last meal was 8 a.m. So you're hungry. No, the, the, verse, the verse said famine. So I'm talking here now about. Um, a, pers a persistent lack of food. So God does not love me any less when I am in famine. And, and this is one of the things that 
the the kind of theology that suggests that if you are facing difficulties it means that you have fallen out of favor with god where it, it does not measure up to reality i think about the hundreds thousands of persons in somalia for example and in sub-saharan africa and in other places as near as venezuela last year and the last two or so years where as a result of political conflict and political violence many many persons including christians including persons from the church were going through famine it is absolutely illogical to 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 to, to suggest that it meant that god loved loved these people less because they were when they were going through their famine God has not loved me less when I have no clothes. And uh, here again, for some persons, having no clothes doesn't mean that they have no clothes, that they have nothing to wear. It, it, it becomes as frivolous as I need to go to some work event or I need to go to some entertainment event and I can't buy something new to wear and they have a total meltdown and say i have no clothes and a person can begin to move from that reality to think thinking and assuming that god loves them any less and god does not love me any less when i am in mortal danger so paul mentions sword and danger speaking about mortal danger death when when my life is under threat or death is approaching it does not mean that god loves you any less when those things are happening so we, we, we i want us to get it clear on the positive side we proposed that god the designer loves us with an unchanging love this evening we're looking at the the faulty assumptions the faulty assessment measures that persons use to determine their self-love how much love they should afford according to themselves if we flip these it is wrong it would be wrong to think that it is only when your life is smooth and copacetic you, you don't have any trouble you don't have any hardship you're not being persecuted you have all the food you, all the food you want to eat including all the, the nice expensive stuff that you like to eat and your closet is filled you can go to the store at the drop of a hat and get a new suit of clothes and everything first nobody is threatening you there is no illness there is no 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 diagnosis of or some kind of of um lifestyle disease that it is only when those conditions are met that you should love yourself so we're starting there right there this evening let's see Romans says but rev do you think the church and society facilitated the culture and concept of materialistic possession as an expression of love you are spot on the money Romain, and we're going to come to the matter of possessions in a moment and i do agree that the church has contributed to that model of assessment of self-love that the society puts out there for our consumption excellent contribution all right so let's move on a little bit uh how then 
how do you determine your self-worth? And I want you to write it down. You may not be able to drill down deep enough into yourself now with the introspection, but I want you to write it down because this will be part of your own reflection um, overnight and, and tomorrow and so on. Ask yourself and, and answer yourself. How do you determine your self-worth? Is it about how much money you have? Or is it about the fact that you can or can't fit into that skinny that pair of skinny jeans? Is, is it about ha having a great job and driving a Mercedes? I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's, it's really an interesting question. And it is a question that many of us perhaps have never really stopped to think about. How do I determine my self-worth? You see, the truth is most of us just have a big notion of whether or not we should love ourselves given our circumstances in life. It's something, it's something that we really hardly give much thought. But mind you, it is operating very much at the subconscious level. The majority of who we, who we are, how we are, how we do, how we operate in life actually occurs at the subconscious level, which is, which is part of how God designed us. But that in itself becomes a problem. For until we begin to live more at the conscious level, and not at the subconscious, where at the subconscious, it is all the things that have been fed into us from childhood that become formed, where our, our psyche and our character and our temperament, where all of those things are formed. That is why there, there are some people who are adults and there are, Elements of their emotional makeup, elements of their psyche, elements of their temperament, their attitudes that are so difficult to adjust because these things are formed and, and, and almost cast from childhood. And they drive us at the subconscious level. And in order for change to occur, we have to learn to operate more from the conscious and less from the subconscious. So as we explore, how really should we assess self-worth? A good thing to consider is how you think your child should measure their self-worth. See, I just said it, like I just said. These things begin to are largely predominantly formed in our childhood period. The first six years of a, an individual's life are the, are the most critical in determining their overall psyche, their overall character, their overall persona. So all of us here are adults and we are kind of looking backwards now, taking a backward look. So imagine, well, uh, some of you may have actually have a young child. Some of you uh, do not yet have a child. So what I'm asking you to, to reflect on now is how do you think your child should measure their self-worth or you'd want them to measure their self-worth? Uh, so let me help you with that a little bit. Do you think a child should love themselves more or less if they were 
And then here are a couple scenarios to reflect on. If there were more wealthy or poor. So in other words, how should you assess your own self-worth? And in order to help you to answer that question, I'm suggesting that we think about, imagine you have a child, or you may actually have a child. Well, how would you want your child to form their self-worth? Do you think that a child should love themselves any more or less if they were wealthy or poor? Or, 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 or do you think a, ch a child should love themselves more or less if they were, if they were more or less attractive than the average person? And here, of course, is where, is where a whole heap of subjectivity comes in because uh, it is society itself that dictates to us what um, or, or at least attempts to dictate to us, thanks Katie, to dictate to us what attractivity is in Jamaica. It is brown skin, which for our international persons is light complexion, uh, long hair, straight nose uh, for a female, Tall, slim, or for some um, these days, um, I gather that it's it is about being thick. Yeah, I hear that is is, is thickness is thickness uh, a thickness a bit. Yeah, uh, thickers thick like porridge, and all them something there. Um, so whatever attractivity means, do you think it is it, it is it is okay for a child to? as to love themselves more or less if they are more or less attractive than the average person. What about uh, failure? Should they love themselves more or less if they have failed more times than they have been successful? Or if they have succeeded more times than they have failed? Should, should, should a child love themselves more or less? <laughs> on the basis of those factors. So just, just some um, little, little tips there to help you to answer that question for yourself. How do you determine your self-worth? All right. Uh, would you then, would you consider any of these that we have, we have just had, and I'm gonna put them back up. Would you consider any of these to be a reason for a child to love themselves more or less? And what criteria would you use? All right, so let's, let's give us some feedback quickly in the chat. I'm gonna put, um, go back one screen. Will you consider any of these as appropriate for a child to use to determine how, whether they should love themselves more or less? And also what criteria would you use? You can just, just use the chat, just um, type something there in the chat. We might to keep the mics muted. Okay, a child's circumstance should not determine their self-worth. Thank you for that, that, that contribution there. Anyone else? Wealthy or poor, if the child is wealthy or poor, or if the child is, is more, more attractive than the average person, uh, should the child love themselves more because they are more attractive than the average person? Or the child is less attractive than the average person? Should they love themselves more or should they love themselves less? If the child has failed more times than they have been successful. And also, what criteria would you use? All right, All right. so let's continue a little bit then. Um, perhaps you're still mulling things over. 
So, so then, let's let's go on a little bit to look at at society. Uh, it all depends on the value system that has been inculcated in the child. Ah, now we're getting down to the to to the meat of things. A child's appearance has nothing to to do with how they should love themselves. If a child's, if we are saying that a child's appearance has nothing to do with where, uh, how they should love themselves, would we, by the same token, agree and accept that our, my appearance has nothing to do with whether I love myself or not? That's where this is intended to go. Remember, we're looking at ourselves, but we're using, the, we're using a child and how we think a child should assess self-worth um, as a way of helping us to reflect critically on our own personal concept of, of self-worth. Thank you for listening to this episode of my podcast, Noteworthy with Teddy. This is Reverend Teddy A. Jones. You think about it, let's talk about it. I look forward to your questions and comments. Use the social media links provided here to connect with me. If it's noteworthy, then others need to hear. Thanks for sharing the podcast with your friends and family. See you on the next episode, DV.